0: All right. <laughs> Make our way back to our seats. See our college students got back from campus Harvest. Whoa. Glad everybody made it back. You didn't come last week. I know you were sleeping. That's okay. That's all right. Welcome everybody today and I'm glad you guys did brave the the rain, the snow. And I think we got three more weeks of this. I'm not sure. Don't you like being off work? Yeah. Yeah. Susan, <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I know, that's good. So anyway, I want to welcome you guys to our Lego Sundays, our spiritual family Sunday. We're gonna to have to watched the Lego movie and have some good lunch today. And I'm ready for that. So they told me to preach till two, two, two o'clock when the lunch is ready. So is that okay? All right, but I want to welcome you today, part five. Part five. And we're gonna actually talk about today. Go to your Bibles, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. We're going to go through the whole passage. Just kidding. I want to give you a backdrop on that. Today it's called spiritual family. And if you look at the book of John, I love the book of John because it really dives deep into the relationship of Christ, his relational capacity with his disciples. If you look at uh, chapters 1 through 12, you see a lot of things are taking place. They call it the book of signs. Jesus was very public in what he was doing and and coming on the scene. When you get down to, um, we have a a switch over here at chapter 13 to 21. Call this actually the book, excuse me, the book of glory, where it's actually private. And and his interaction now is going to be Uh, Only with his disciples, because he's actually getting them ready. It's a few hours that he's going to go die on the cross for us. We're going to celebrate Easter in a few weeks. Talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. When you get to 13 and 21, it's really that um, I I hated to see that uh, one of my good basketball players I like to watch play, Kobe Bryant, went down with an injury. But every player who comes to the end of their career, they have a farewell tour. Well, this is like in Jesus in 13 to 21, says his farewell tale telling the uh, disciples, this is what you can expect because I am leaving. And we talked about a few weeks ago when we went in the book of Luke and he was telling them that he's going to die on the cross. And they sat there and figured out who's next in position. And they didn't get it. They were talking about being superior and he was talking about being a servant. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing if you come to John, he's telling them that I'm going to die. But there's something special I want you to do. If you get this, especially as a body, as a family, you will not just change your life, but you'll change all the lives around you. So in chapter John, John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, I'm using the ESV version. It's on the screen if you don't have it. Starting in verses 1 through 5, it says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, you want to circle this, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God, he was going back to God, rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments, took a towel, tied it around his waist and then he poured water into a basin began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Give you a little snapshot of this. Jesus is trying to give them a practical lesson on love. And he's about to die. It's an interesting thing here. That I don't know about you. If my my life is about to expire, I don't think I want to serve anybody. I think I want to go in a cave and hide until it's over. Me and my wife. But he was ready to die on the cross. But he was giving them an object lesson, and he said this: I loved them. He loved them to the end. He loved them all the way to the end. He loved their inconsistencies. He loved when they had lack of faith. He loved when they were just as exasperating to him. But he loved them to the end. And then we see a character here. He's about to do something that only a servant will do. What Jesus was doing, only you would hire someone to do what he was about to do with the disciples. It's an amazing story. Because you kind of look at it and say, Oh, that, that's kind of interesting. But we kind of forget that God became man and then God, uh, man, he became man, then became a servant, a slave. He went from glory all the way down to our likeness and below our likeness to serve us. Which had to blow those guys' mind when they're sitting there about to be served by God themselves. And saying, How can what? Wait a minute. Flip the script. You're God. You don't do this. But he did this for us. So when you look at the story, you look at the magnification of God himself. His son, Jesus. Coming down. Becoming like us. Three things I pulled out of this whole chapter. First word is humility. Second word is hospitality. Third word is, I love this word, happiness. How many want to be happy? How many wanna know how to fit in? How do you want everybody to like you? That's part of that's that's part of Image thing. He wants everyone to like him. He wants to fit in. He wants to be happy. Well, in the kingdom of God, this is I'm gonna show you how to be happy today. You look at this story, it's an amazing story. As we open up the scripture here, this passage. So Jesus know he came from the Father. No, he was going back to the Father. Interesting thing is, Jesus knew his origin, his authority, and his destiny. See, Jesus was so secure in who he was, he can serve other people. See, insecure people want a title. Secure people will pick up a towel. So he knew where he was going. And I want to help you with that. It's good that you know where you come from. It's good to know that you have authority in Christ Jesus. And it's really good to know your destiny. Because apart from Christ, you don't know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing prior to that. But he was so secure that what he was about to do did not matter. It was not below him. Because he was secure in who he is. And then he loved, this is what got me. So he loved them to the end. Now he's looking at the guys, and Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Judas, remember Judas? Was going to betray him. Still love you. Peter, the leader, was going to deny him. Still love you. Then the rest of them guys were going to run away when he got arrested. Still love you. He loved the worst of them. Isn't that love? It was unconditional. How many have relationships like that? But everyone has to stay level for you. These guys or at their worst. He still loved them to the very end. And here's the thing. How many of you heard this line, the devil maybe do it? No. Problem if you go to chapter twelve. <sighs> Judas had a problem with money. He even said that He was a thief. He stole out of the kitty. God's he he's fellowshipping with God. He's stealing. He walked with him every day. He's stealing. He's hanging out with him every day. He's stealing. He took money out the kitty all the time to do what he wanted with it. See, his sin has a seedbed for the devil to come into his life. But he had to make a choice. So when you get down to the end of 13, it says after he almost had all these choices, all these chances, then he, when they, um, Jesus gave him the bread, he could have just said, I'm sticking with him. And that's when the devil entered him because he gave him a seed bed to go into. So you make a choice to sin. The devil didn't make you do it. He just finds something, that, that bullet that you can't deal with. And he'll make it. You know, you may might say the worst thing about your faith is your feelings. He liked money more than he loved Jesus. And as you get down to the story, I'm going to leave out part of it as far well as a written passage. When he got down from heaven, I mean, got down from where they were serving them, usually a servant, when you walked into someone's house, a servant would meet them at the door and then wash their feet. But he waited as they were eating and he went and washed their feet. Do you imagine the shame and embarrassment they felt that Jesus himself was washing their feet? Because you know, humility really starts not with what you do for someone else, is able for you to receive it. Because Peter didn't want to receive it. Because I understand, and that was horrible. You're King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I am not going to have you wash my feet. And Jesus says something kind of powerful. If I don't have nothing, if you if I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. Because it was a deeper meaning than washing the feet. Washing the feet, guys, was signifying this Salvation. He was doing a picture, type in picture of salvation. And the second thing was, he was talking about the daily walk, how we need to be cleansed daily through God's word, through worship. And guess who else we don't like? One another. Discipleship. Someone needs to be able to walk into your life and see the dirt on your feet. The dirt of offense. The dirt of anger. And the only way you get that is the kindness of God. But pride, you're not getting this close. Peter's job was, you're king of kings. That's as close as we get. You no, know, whenever you give, uh, uh, you have an arm's length with Jesus. You have two arm's length with people. Because I was really like, how come people don't connect? Well, people don't connect because they really haven't connected to Christ. He's a good savior, but he's not washing my feet because I don't want him to know anything about me. But he already does. And then people are not going to tell me what to do. Someone needs to tell you what to do. Someone who really cares. See, relationships, again, go deeper than a Sunday morning. And Jesus said this, if you didn't take this part of me, you miss all of me. Because it's kind of hard to deny God's people and still love God. How can you say, it's just me and Jesus? That's, uh, that doesn't work. If you're not taking everything in his body and you've seen his body, are we perfect? No. Did you see the disciples? Matthew? who was a thief, not a thief, they called him a thief, he wasn't allowed to testify in court, with Peter, who just kept on putting his foot, and his foot in his mouth, and then you had the thunder thunder, let's blow up everybody. (laughs) And you had the zealot, the only brother. (laughs) Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Would you shut up? And then you stole money from me. Hey, Hey, will you stop it? Read your Bible. (laughs) y'all looking like I'm crazy because you know we worked hard to be perfect don't we? that no one will know what's behind me no one will know anything about my prejudice no one will know anything about my anger no one will know anything about my hurt Jesus knows and that's why he sends people there that's why he sends people your way to help you get rid of it washing feet if i took out a bowl and a pitcher right now and i pick one person who would get up no one's raising a hand i'm going to do it anyway i'll be right back i forgot to tell the guys to get it out did you feel the room did you feel the atmosphere? All y'all like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> He's not touching my feet, man. Oh. And then we play church and we have leaders do it. And Jesus said for all of us to do it. You feel the pressure of your pride? It's honorable to say, I'm okay. But it's not when you're not. Because if you tell someone something, <clears throat> 10 to 1 they've already been through it. Josh thinks he's someone because he's 30. Psh, he's nobody. <laughs> I'm 50. I got 20 years on the boy. 27 years on the boy. He thinks he's just learning something. He don't know anything yet. He's still a grasshopper. <laughs> I don't know how I got that in there anyway. What I'm saying is humility is necessary in our lives. And it doesn't begin with providing service, but with readiness to receive it. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And this is why I wrote. A love that is real is a love that's shown. Jesus said, I love you to the end. I'm going to show you how much I love you. How much I'm going to lower myself, take off my garment, and open myself up to love you. <clears throat> and when you do that, that's the next thing. It's called hospitality. In those days, hospitality was rich. When, you do, when we do that to one another as a spiritual family, what we're saying is I care about your journey. The feet represent the journey of life that people walk through this life, this world. I really care about your life. And let's hang out, that's going over lunch together, doing all those things together as a family. Getting in there and cleaning. Seeing you picked up some things, you picked up some offenses, you picked up some things. And And you're looking at, you picked up some things, and we're getting intimate with one another. Beyond It's uncomfortable even talk about this because I don't want people that close. As far as one gets, a cell phone. I'll tell you my feelings on Facebook. (laughs) Facebook can't clean your feet. Only Jesus and his people can. And the older you get, the harder it is because you think you know a lot. Here's the greatest thing. The older I get to know, I know I know nothing. Which is great. I wish I got that when I was younger. Hospitality. Let's go to John chapter 13, 12 through 17. It says this When he had washed their feet and put the other garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand that I have done it to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. So I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, when he says that, you got to really listen. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Remember the goal, he was saying to me as an example, the goal of the servant is to become like his master. If Jesus is your Lord and master, you want to become like the master. Now he's not talking about actually taking out buckets and washing each other's feet. He's talking about getting in an intimate relationship with him and intimate relationship with one another. That's what he's talking about. Following my example, how I broke the code. It didn't matter if you were up here. Yeah, I come down to your level. In fact, I'm going to go below your level and serve you. Serving one another. What does that look like in the body of Christ today? Oh my gosh. That would be Amazing. And you don't have a law to tell you to do it. And no one's paying you to do it. Except the Holy Spirit leading you to do it. It's amazing. Because apart from that, guys, life is just no good. Because we were created and made for relationships. That's why he talked about from marriage and from marriage to, to, the, to people. Can't do this alone. Never call us to do this alone. But hospitality, us. Loving one another. That's why we do things like lunches and stuff. So we can hang out and be with one another. I know it's uncomfortable. I don't know. And when we come up with excuses why we can't come. And then you call me six, three days later. I have a problem. Just told that to the guy you or the person you're going to sit next to at lunch. You missed it. And you hate it. Remember... The feet signifies a person's walk. That means I care about your journey. I really do care about your journey. I'm not just saying praise the Lord. I'll pray for you. I really do care about your journey. I really do want to be in your hang out with you. I really do. That's what he's saying. I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. And then when people outside are looking in, they see something that's kind of fantastic and supernatural. Like, what is going on? Well, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He calls to be intimate with him and be intimate with one another. Need to hang out with some guys. Ladies need to hang out with the ladies and families and families and sharpen one another. When he gets to Lego, I mean, they didn't come together until, they didn't do anything until they all came together for more. I'm Batman. All those different people coming together. With a, with a goal. You have a destiny. Each and every one of you sitting out here. But guess what? You'll never reach it without someone else. I see the marriage on, on um, sports. A guy's married to a woman, his career is like, whoosh. The man They divorce, his career starts to go down the skids. Why? God put them together. That was his helpmate for life. You couldn't change a tire. His career went down. They don't understand that. They don't understand it. Relationships in the church should be both the best relationships in the world, but we get hacked off at one another and leave, and have to start all over again. Why we get hacked off with of one another? Again, if you read the disciples, they have reason to get hacked off every day. Jesus should get hacked off on every one of them. Here I am. I feed five thousand people. You get in the boat. You're gonna die. Well, oh, you kidding me? I just fed five thousand people. What is wrong with you? Fully man, fully God. Think he didn't have feelings? You heard one of them. He, say, he said, "How long must I put up with you?" Right? I can't do that. I'm a pastor. I got a smile. <laughs> it's real. Again, the foot washing signifies salvation, but again, a continual cleansing that we need every day. You walk in this world every day, you need some continual cleansing. Every day. Every single day. We need each other. It's crazy, but it is. You need someone who doesn't think like you. Remember, you were married and y'all had the same everything in common. How boring was that? I'm so glad we're different. Because she's everything I'm not. And there's a lot of things I'm not. Y'all know this every week. I get up here. I love the difference. I love she's a Mac and I'm a PC. She gets up in the morning. You know, like the Apple comes up. I'm a PC. It's kicking, it's kicking, it's kicking. I ain't have my coffee yet. And she said, Doo-doo-doo. I said, well, just send it through the, through the text and then send me an email and then send me a text again to make sure I don't forget. <laughs> right? I love that. Because I would forget. Y'all give me stuff. Don't give it to me. I'll forget. Short memory, really. I won't even remember what I said today. <laughs> an hour from now, when I get some chocolate cake in me, forgot everything I said. I hope y'all bought some chocolate cake. If not, you are expended from this congregation. <laughs> Last one is happiness. Verse 17. If you do these things, blessed are you who do them. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. He's taking knowledge and turning into practice. And the blessing is not something that you get Physically or intrinsically the blessing is knowing that you're walking in truth and harmony with your brother and sister that's the blessing i read the Old Testament all the time every time a king was obedient to his peace on every side even when his enemies had to bless him When you're in relationships and you're blessed and you're you're the richest person in the world, which makes you blessed, which means happy. You sing a song like that, blessed, and you don't even know. Y'all say, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And y'all face is like, I'm happy, I'm happy. You don't even know what the word means. It means happy, true happiness. It's walking with God and walking with his people. And the richness of that. It's the greatest thing on the planet. When we talk about church, and you say, this church speaks a lot about that. Because I know how it is to be by yourself. And I know how uncomfortable it is to hang with people. It's not easy. I know it isn't easy, y'all walking with me. He said, This guy is nuts. Can't figure out what he's saying. But we are made for relationships. This is a story that I uh, looked at the other day. And I want to make sure you guys get this. How many know Tom Cruise? I mean like Tom Cruise now. I mean, back... How many love Top Gun? Okay, so everyone understand Top Gun? Raise your hands and just make me feel good. Okay. <laughs> it's a story of a fighter pilot and his partner flying an aircraft, which I study because I love aircraft. That's what I thought of my job when I was in the military to deal with aircraft. F 14 Tomcat. Great plane, the Navy built it. Kind of built it a little different. The fuselage was was kind of short, the wings were kind of long. She was prone to going to a flat spin. So happened to Maverick and Goose. Remember that, Maverick and Goose? The the scene when it's spinning out and spinning out and spinning. That is kind of partially true. Him ejecting with his head down, that's not true. But the plane, what they call, was an unforgiving aircraft. They designed it a certain way, and they noticed that after they built it, oh, when air gets mixed up in these engines, this will put this in a spin. And fighter pilot's job is to fly to the envelope of out of control. Well, they went to that point, part, and they spun out, and they ejected. Goose died. Maverick lived. When I was looking at that story, he started thinking about relationships because he had to go through the pain and the shame and embarrassment of causing an accident. He went through something devastating in his life. But one thing his colonel said after he was cleared, which is a true story today once you fall off, you got to get back on, or you'll never get back on. So you got to go, man. You got to get back in the jet. So he, they tried to get him back in the jet to fly to the envelope. And every time he came to the close part of what he was called to do and how he was created to do, he kind of disengaged. Says not good. That was in practice. Then the real thing happened. And they called him. He had to go. And he fought his way to go up there. And he's coming to a fight. And he hit the spot, and he says, "It's just not good," and he disengages. See, my whole sermon today was that one that you engage spiritual family, but most of all, you will reengage because this is all your story. You tried it, you went there, and you hit the moment, and you had an accident. Someone offended you. You had an accident. God disappointed you. You had an accident. So you go back walking with the world and walking with God. You had an accident. And, they, and God said, Get back in the game. Reengage, reengage, reengage. And you say, It's just not good. And you come to a church like this, and this guy, this black guy, is up here yelling at you, Get into the game. Get into the get into relationships. And you're saying, It's just not there. And Maverick said, someone talk to me. He reengaged. The greatest thing about your situation in that situation in the movie is you're here to live another day. And all God is saying for you, reengage. Reengage. Because you were not created to walk average. You weren't created to walk a mediocre life. You were created to fly to, to go beyond the envelope, to live a supernatural life, to live an astounding life—a life that's full of uh, Jesus and His people. And anything less from that is not your best. God didn't create us to sit on the, on the sideline and be mediocre. He called us to change the world with one another. And when we don't live, if we live below that area, we kind of burn out. We never get back in the game. We never re-engage. We never engage. God might have let you down. I know a lot of people, they go through a divorce. You know what happens to them? Well, God let me down, so I guess I'll go back in the world. They disengaged. Because their relationship was messed up. First with God, because you don't, you don't serve him because you're getting something back. You serve him because you love him. God's telling you to re-engage. You might have crashed, planes scattered everywhere, pieces everywhere, but you ejected. You're still here. I don't care how old you are but you can't go this far and just that's as far as you go. You got to re-engage. You got to hit the burner. You got to get in to the place. You got to get in with God. You got to get in with his people. Regardless how much it hurts, how much the disappointment is to go through that, you have to go back into it. You got to press beyond the normal Sunday thing, beyond the normal Sunday religion and go and explore the relationship Jesus had all the opportunity at that moment to say, I'm disengaging. I am not dying on the cross. I'm done. These people don't appreciate me. I'm out of here. And none of us will be sitting here today. But if he, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if he from God Himself came down and served me, how much do I serve him and one another? And the excuses don't work anymore. The excuse is your pride. They hurt me. I wish you were like it was before. Them days are over. You learn from it, like he told Maverick. You learn what happened and you engage again so it won't happen again. But don't let your feelings and don't let your own theology and your own fear keep you from engaging. Say, I'm strong, man. You're a Marine. How would it be if he just treated his wife like this? Honey, don't come no closer. That's it. Jesus, don't come no closer. That's all I'm going to. I'm going to experience your, 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 you, but I'm not going to be with you. When Jesus said, I'm taking you closer. It's deep. That's what you got at John chapter 13. He took it beyond this and went inside. And we talk about 1 Corinthians. Everyone has a plan. and every, You should know you're special. He died on the cross for you. But the only thing that will stop you from here to here is your pride and excuses. What someone did or what I experienced. I'm so glad our Lord and Lord and King of Kings did not go by experience or Demonstration, because those guys were a mess, just like we are today. That showed me how much I truly need him. What is God calling you to do in this time in life? Do life like this? Or embrace? Here's a word engage. Here's another word. Reengage. And don't do it because you're going to get benefits from it. The only way you can do this is if you know love Jesus, you'll love his people. Can't be said just me and God. That's impossible. In fact, you're setting yourself up for failure. And no one knows my secrets and eh, he does and he will reveal to someone one day stop running from your destiny everyone stand every eye close who's making a commitment today to reengage